Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show, where we explore the mindsets, motivation, and methodologies of success. Here's your coach, Brian Buffini. Well, the top of the morning to you. Welcome to The Brian Buffini Show. Today's podcast is entitled, How to Be a Pro in an Unskilled World. Sounds like a judgmental statement, and maybe it is. But this podcast was inspired by a recent conversation I had with a bunch of my kids' friends. Four of my kids are in college. Always our house from day one has always been the place to hang out. We'd have 40, 50 people at our home throughout our kids' lives. We were always the place to come hang out. We had the house set up for it. We had the backyard set up for it. I mean, basically, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, there was always a big group of people over. And obviously, with COVID and so on and so forth, a lot of that's gone away. But a lot of young folks, as I experience them, are struggling. They've been struggling with the pandemic, been struggling with the ability to connect and interact. So what we've started doing is we have a big fire pit in the backyard. We're able to do the social distancing. We kind of have the snacks and whatever else outside. And we have little smaller groups than we used to have. But we've been having groups of maybe six or seven kids over, just sitting down, having the chat, having the conversation. One topic that keeps coming up over and over again, a lot of the kids, they listen to the podcast or they read a lot of the books I give out, but they're all talking to me about what's the way forward, what should they be doing? A lot of them are rethinking college and the purpose of college and what they're getting out of college for the money they're paying, what about work and all these kinds of things. But a lot of them are asking questions like how to succeed, how they ever afford a house, all these kinds of things. And I've been saying a statement over and over and over again to these young people that I want to bring to you today. And that is, I believe it is easier to succeed right now than any time I've seen in the last 40 years. I believe we're in an environment today where people's skills have atrophied or they're not acquiring the skills necessary for the job. People's mindset and focus is not as sharp as I've seen it be. People's ambition and appetites have been curbed. And a certain level of ambivalence has taken place. And I just think this whole dynamic of people working from home, people not socially interacting to the degree they were, has just tipped the scales. I believe the culture was heading this way anyway. But now, as I've said many times, I think COVID has been a magnifying glass. And so I'm going to share with you some practical steps today. If you're struggling today, this is not meant to be a put down for you, but a challenge for you. If you're struggling financially, it's not designed to be a put down. It's a challenge for you. If you're not where you want to be, this is a challenge. I really want to tell you the truth. And a coach has always got to support you, encourage you, show you the way, train you up but then also tell you the tough things that no one wants to tell you. And that is, it is easier to succeed right now than ever before. The competition is less. You can move faster and further and acquire more territory and more success right now than ever before. And one of the dynamics is something that's totally in your control. And that's your ability to develop your skills. You know, most people want to change their circumstances, but don't want to change themselves. You're in total control of the skill set you have and the skill set you can have. And oh, by the way, I think the most invigorating thing for a person is when we're growing, right? You grow or you die. Uh, A plant is growing or dying. A business is growing or dying. So is a marriage. So is our health. You're growing or you're dying. You're either getting better 
or are you getting worse? Some people are getting better or getting bitter. So the dynamic is you're in 100% control of this. We're not in control of COVID. We're not in control of the government. We're not in control of taxes. We're not in control of very much in our lives. Don't control the weather. And as much as people think we can, we're not in control of very much. But we can control our attitude. We can control our efforts. We definitely can control our own self-development. And so I want to talk to you about how to be a pro in an unskilled world. So I have three main points for you today, as I often do. This is specifically directed in many ways towards business people and folks who are working, but I would say a lot of the application here can work in every area of your life, okay? We're going to talk about how to connect with your clients. We're going to talk about how to serve your clients and how to hone your skills. We're talking about being a pro, which is in our professional lives. So how do you connect with your clients? Well, first, you got to be emotionally intelligent, and that's where I'd start. Be emotionally intelligent. You know, at home, we use a great phrase called cop on. Cop on. It's like a common sense. Common sense is not common to practice anymore. I'm going to talk to you about listening. Listening like a pro. You know, everybody's in the broadcast business today. Everybody's an influencer today. Everybody is using video today. Everybody's using social media. And I say everybody, a lot of people are. Everybody's talking. Everybody's broadcasting. But very few people are listening. How do you listen like a pro? And then ultimately... I'm going to talk about where the rubber meets the road, which is that action speaks louder than words. You want to be a pro, you got to take action. You want to be competitive and succeed, you got to take action. And so be emotionally intelligent, listen like a pro, and how actions speak louder than words. So let's dive right in. Being emotionally intelligent, that whole dynamic of cop on. You can be born with a certain amount of emotional intelligence, but here's the great news. You can develop it. You can develop your emotional intelligence. That's why I'm talking to you today about how to be a pro in an unskilled world. Gifts are given. Skills are acquired and honed. Like, for example, I was not born good with money, but I've become very, very, very skilled with money. It wasn't a natural bent for me. But because of the pain of not being good with money that I encountered and that I inflicted my family with, it's become a real strength because I've become very skilled with it. And so that's the beauty. If you have an area that you're not great at, it can become your greatest strength. Let's say you're bad at being on time. You become your greatest strength. We want to start with this number one skill to develop, which is emotional intelligence. Now, by definition, it's the capacity to be aware of or control, express one's emotions, and to handle interpersonal relationships judiciously and empathically. People want to be understood. They want to be accepted. They want to be valued. In the world we live in today, the reason why it's so easy to be a pro, people are judged, prejudged, and often confined and put in a box. We don't take the time. Now, if you've been a fan of this podcast for a long time, episode number 14 was an interview I did with Daniel Goldman, who is basically the dean of emotional intelligence. He wrote a book called Emotional Intelligence. Now, there's a lot of knockoff books, but you want to look for Daniel Goleman's emotional intelligence. He has a great quote there. It says, emotional intelligence emerges as a much stronger predictor of who will be most successful because it is how we handle ourselves and our relationships that determines how well we do once we are in, in a given job. Warren Bennis, brilliant economist up in the University of Washington, said, emotional intelligence, more than any other factor, more than IQ or expertise, accounts for 85 to 90% of success at work. IQ is a threshold competence. You need it, but it doesn't make you a star. Emotional intelligence can. How emotionally intelligent are you? You know what we're seeing? For example, we see these influencers on social media that possess zero emotional intelligence at times. 
there's a crisis going on. There's a great tragedy, and they're out doing some broadcast in a bikini or in Belize or whatever else. And people are like, that's tone deaf. We see it all the time because it's me, 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 me. Emotional intelligence. The next way to really develop your emotional intelligence is in listening, the skill of listening. And we want to listen like a pro. Larry King just passed away. And Larry King was a lot of things. And people talk about he was married eight times to seven women. And at the end, he was pitching every product down the pike and whatever else. And I imagine if you've been through seven divorces, you probably spent a few dollars. So he had to work a long time. But I will say this for me. He's greatest interviewer I ever heard. He was the greatest on-camera listener I ever witnessed. People would go on his show because they knew he was genuinely going to take an interest in them. He didn't have a pre-prescribed destination to get them to. If you watch any television program today, news program especially, you'll see somebody lead an interviewee into a certain pattern. And that's right. Like for me, I hate doing a lot of these broadcast interviews because they already have a destination figured out. And they're not listening to a word you say. It's also harder. So you can stick with the script if you don't really pay attention. When you really listen to people, it's when you really connect with people. Feeling heard is an enormous thing. Larry King was the best at making people feel heard. And he said, I remind myself every morning, nothing I say this day will teach me anything. So if I'm going to learn, I must do it by listening. I mean, great stuff. We actually did a recording years ago with a gentleman by the name of Steve Shapiro. He's since deceased. But we did a podcast, and it's episode number 26, Mastering the Art of Listening. It's interesting. Daniel Goleman's episode 14, The Art of Listening, episode 26. We're in the hundreds of episodes we've had now, but that's why we started with these things, because they were so important. And listening is crucial. I'll tell you a little story about listening. My uh, younger brother, Kevin, many, many moons ago, came over to work for me, and he was an assistant in my real estate business, became a buyer's agent, and then he's worked at Buffini Company for over 20 years now in the area of emotional intelligence with our heritage profiling business. Well, Kevin would watch me. He was there to learn the real estate business. And like then, like now, I'm a preparation freak. And we're going on a listing appointment in La Jolla. And at that time, it was the most expensive home I was ever going to put on the market. I believe the home was just under $4 million. And we're talking maybe 1990, over 30 years ago. You're talking about you know what a $4 million house would be worth today. So I've done all the presentations. I've got all the color brochures. I've got all the things laid out. I've got all the comparable analysis. I've got this all done. And then I'm showing Kevin the rope. So he'd been on several appointments with me for the previous week. So we're going on this appointment together. I said, hey, this is a big step. Just sit in, watch what I do. I'm going to introduce you to these folks. You'll have a chance to kind of serve them in the past, whatever else. So I lay everything out. Hey, just pack up the briefcase. I'll meet you there. So he packs up everything. We meet there. We get to the appointment. We're in the car. And we're ready to go. I had a pre-appointment routine. I'd listen to a song, Ravel's Bolero, and get myself into the right state of mind to go into an appointment, kind of wash clear the day and give people my full energy and attention. He clicks open my briefcase. He reaches in for the presentation, and he's brought the wrong one. We have the wrong presentation for the wrong house. He is literally just dying. Oh, my gosh, I'm new to the country. My brother's brought me over. It's the biggest appointment he's had in his career, and I don't have the presentation. I said, okay, give me a yellow pad. I walked in with a yellow pad and a pen. Knocked on the door, sat down with the uh, couple, and they've had other agents in who've done the dog and pony show and all the different glittery presentations they've had. And I just sat down. I didn't acknowledge that I, my presentation wasn't there. I didn't make any excuses. I just took out a yellow pad, and I just started asking them questions. 
And then I'd ask them the next question. And then I'd ask them the next question. Well, why is that? Why is that important to you? Why, why, why does that? And, and the next thing, you know, as we're going through this exercise, you know, why do you want to move? You have this beautiful home. Why are you leaving it? Where do you want to go to? Why do you want to go there? What does that mean to you? Why is that important to you now? What's changed when you purchased this home? You, this, you thought this was all that, but now you want this. Why? And it caused this couple to have a conversation and to get to a point of clarity that they hadn't gotten to. In fact, I later find out that this couple weren't even sure they were ready to move. But after I went through the exercise with them, they found out, yeah, this is absolutely why. And the idea they were already kind of having little squabbles after the couple of agents had been there about whether it showed up as pricing or this and that and the other, but it was they weren't set. They didn't have peace in their decision. When I asked them the questions and they got to verbalize it and communicate and they felt heard, they put their house on the market with me at the price I suggested. This home had been previously listed. It had been on the market for a year and a half. Very expensive home, but it was improperly priced. And the reason is people weren't set. We sold this extremely expensive home in a matter of weeks in a market that wasn't that hot. We helped them find their next home in a matter of weeks. It was extraordinarily lucrative at the time. It was the biggest transactions I'd ever been involved in. And I never showed them a presentation. What I showed them was listening and listening like a pro. Ask the open-ended question and then ask the next question. Find out what the motivations really are. And sometimes they'll be subtle. Sometimes people will say something like they're blowing something off. You know, I'd say, hey, great. Look, I love the ocean, but hey, I'll move here. Tell me why you love the ocean. What does the ocean mean to you? Why would it be important for you to live on the ocean? Yada, yada. Next thing you know, this gal's talking about having walks with her dad, and she grew up in Maine and walking on the beach together with her dad. And her dad died when she was young, and she wanted that feeling again. She's willing to submit to that because her husband wanted horse property, and her husband had never heard this from her. What ended up happening is they ended up buying a beach house from me and then up buying a horse property a year later where they kept their horses. And so tremendous financial transactions, but even more so than that, I, I made some friends. I didn't have my fancy dancy presentation to hide behind. Listening is powerful. And in the world we live in today, people are not listening. Everybody's talking. Everybody's broadcasting. And everybody's judging. And you need to go beneath all of that. Because human beings want to feel heard and they want to be connected. And so listen like a pro. It takes a little effort. You got to listen unbiased opinion. You just got to, you know, let your curiosity run wild. So again, I'd encourage you to listen to episode 26. That's some great stuff there. This is nothing new, right? Another great quote from the philosopher Epictetus. He said a couple thousand years ago, we have two ears and one mouth so we can listen twice as much as we speak. An ancient proverb says, no one is as deaf as the man who will not listen. We just have to listen. And Simon Sinek, great thought leader of our time, says, hearing is listening to what is said. Listening is hearing what isn't said. I always say I listen with my eyes. I listen to body language. I really lock in on people. Because you'll see that people will say words, but sometimes it's defensive. Or sometimes it's covering things over. If you meet a client's transaction needs, you get paid. But you meet their emotional needs and their transactional needs, they become an advocate for you and for your business for years and years to come. And that's really powerful. The last part of this is that actions speak louder than words. We have to be proactive. We have to follow through. And ultimately, actions build trust. It's until you take actions, right? You know, faith without works is dead. Well, let me say this to you. People only really believe you when they see you. 
Because in a world we live in today, you know, and there's nothing new in this. People can say whatever they say when they're in your presence. But what happens when they're not in your presence? So Ben Franklin, America's first millionaire, one of the founding fathers said, well done is better than well said. No question. This guy Anonymous has a lot of great quotes. He says, I don't trust words. I trust actions. People can tell you anything, but actions tell you everything. Carl Jung said, you are what you do, not what you say you'll do. And Mark Twain, that genius of a man, said, actions speak louder than words, but not nearly as often. You got to take action. You got to follow up. Every time you fulfill a promise, you build trust. Every time you break a promise, you break trust. This is the same at home. This is the same in your relationships. Actions are very powerful. Members of my family who definitely their love language is words of affirmation. But don't forget, they still need those actions. And then there's people where actions speak louder than the words to them first, and that's how you initiate relationship with them. If you want to be great in business, if you want to be great in serving people, you've got to connect with your clients through emotional intelligence. You've got to listen, and then you've got to follow through and take action. And when you take action, boy, it really cements that trust relationship. So here's the next thing is we've got to serve our clients. Serving. It's still not out of style. It's, there's still technology. All the technology is exposed that people can do things very efficiently, but not always very effectively. I've done a lot of business in the last 12 months through technological means and had very, very disappointing outcomes. Or I got what I wanted, but it was in a process that wasn't very favorable. And so what happens is the ability for advocacy to take place, almost zero. I bought this sauna recently. It's beautiful. It's fantastic. It works great. It has a hot stones capability. So I'll do a workout. I'll throw the water on the hot stones, get the steam going. I feel great. It works beautifully. It smells great. My brother Dermot says to me the other day, hey, how do you love your sauna? I love it. Hey, well, where'd you get it from? I couldn't recommend it. I couldn't recommend it. I couldn't recommend the process. I couldn't recommend it how they dropped this thing off at my door. It was supposed to be assembled. I had to hire a contractor for a day to put it together. And all that stuff was fine. It's just it wasn't set up that way. And I couldn't endorse it to him. So I said, it's a great product, but the process stinks. That's not exactly a hearty endorsement. It's one of the names he'll look at. He's interested in the concept of it, but not necessarily getting it from that company. Here's the thing. I'm sure they're very nice people, but I can't become an advocate for them. And so service is still a big deal. Uh, It's not an old-fashioned concept. It's absolutely positively more important today than ever before. It'll help you stand out amongst the competition. It'll help you blow by the competition. And it creates absolute advocacy, which is stronger than ever before. Because now if someone does use social media, does use these platforms, and they're your advocate, boy, it goes all over. So how do you serve your clients? You find a problem, you fix a problem. And then you do the unexpected extras. We even wrote a book about this called Taking Care of Business. Find a problem. Find the place where you can best help, right? That's where you ask those questions, open-ended questions. Sometimes I find out how I can serve somebody by asking them, tell me about a great experience you've had in this area before. Tell me about a bad experience. Tell me what great service looks like. Tell me what terrible service looks like. Sometimes you'll learn more from the negative. Sometimes they can't describe what they want, but they can tell you what they don't want. Albert Schweitzer said the purpose of human life is to serve and to show compassion and the will to help others. A.G. Gaston said, find a need and fill it. Successful businesses are founded on the needs of people, 100%. Martin Luther King Jr. said everybody can be great because anybody can serve, no question. 
do you have the heart to serve? Do you have the commitment to serve? You know, in the world we live in today, it's me, 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 me. Well, when you get outside yourself and serve, let me tell you, there's a joy in it. There's a joy in serving. There's a purpose in serving. There's a beauty in giving. And so give to people. Give to people. Serve them right. Listen right. And trust. Trust that people, when they're served properly, not all of them, but some of them will become great advocates. You have to believe in people to do that. I'll tell you, I've been doing that for 30 years. I did it in my real estate career. I've done it in building the largest coaching and training company in North America. We get referrals today in the thousands every week. People advocating and telling their friends about us. Check these guys out. Check their training programs out. Check their coaching program out. It's just the best. It's changed my business, changed my life. I have built a company that is aligned with this mission to impact and improve the lives of people. And here's the dynamic. We have very sophisticated marketing systems and so on and so forth. But I can tell you this, our greatest rate of return is still people who really appreciate what we've done for them and how we've done it, and they tell their friends. And that's still the dynamic today. So you got to find those problems and serve them. Then you got to fix them. And fixing the problem, this is one of the dynamics where you get to be creative. You know, when people have a problem, they're often anxious and nervous and scared. You know, moving, for example, in the top five most stressful thing a person does, and they're having these problems or these difficulties on transactions. You go, man, no, no, your job is to just take care of your family. Let me worry about these details. You sit in the back of the limousine, I'm going to take you to the airport. You don't worry about the transportation. I got you. When something blew up, I'd say, hey, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. Leave this to me. I'll keep you updated. I'll let you know. Let me handle this for you. This is what I do. This is what I get paid for. And when people are, gee, this guy's like, he, he kind of enjoys this. I don't enjoy confrontations and difficult conversations and whatever else, but I enjoyed serving my customers. And sometimes there were difficult conversations or negotiations to have in order to serve my customer. And I did it, not in an antagonistic way, in an us versus them, but I took on the spirit of, hey, I get to serve, I get to do this. So sometimes you got to come up with creative solutions or think outside the box. Ask a lot of questions of the other side. But when you fix the problem, boy, powerful stuff. Jesse Shell said, usually the best ideas come from having to fix a really hard problem. No question about it. I will also tell you that some of my biggest advocates in my business came from, at one stage, a difficult circumstance or a misunderstanding or where a client was ticked off at me. But the way in which we handled it and served them after the fact, they became my biggest advocate. They were just emotional or out of sorts at the time. Maya Angelou says, you can't use up creativity. The more you use, the more you have. And it's a powerful thing. Albert Einstein said, creativity is intelligence having fun. Use your creativity to solve problems. Don't always be using your emotional reserves. Think of it as, I'm going to think about this differently. I'm going to come at this differently. I'm going to take time to think. I'm in the problem. I'm just going to react. Your clients can be emotional. You can't. You got to be consistent. Take time out. I need a little time to think about this. How can I think about this different? And then come up with a solution. People love that stuff. Lastly, I want to talk about doing the unexpected extra, the mints on the pillows, doing those things. Now, we did a podcast on this, episode 87, called The Unexpected Extras. If you notice, I'm pumping out a lot of episodes of podcasts to you today. Why? Because pros go to work. Pros are into self-development. Pros are into professional development. Pros go, okay, I need to listen. I'm going to listen to the Shapiro one. I need better emotional intelligence. I'm having difficulty with customers or family or in relationships. I'm going to listen to Daniel Goleman. I want to learn how to do the unexpected extras and wow my customers and turn them into advocates. I'm going to listen to episode 87 or get a copy of Taking Care of Business. I'm going to do that. 
So we need to be able to do the unexpected extras, go above and beyond. Now, this is crucial. I'm currently in a business transaction where it's a big company that's serving me. My rep, the person who's serving me, is going above and beyond. And she's doing a great job with all kinds of little value-added benefits and so on and so forth. And she's really trying hard and she's working hard. The problem is her company's doing a crap job at the basic stuff I've asked them to do. And I keep finding gaps and omissions and I'm having to do the work myself. Here's the thing. There's no point in delivering the unexpected extras if you don't do what's expected first. Don't do the wow before you do the nice to have, okay? You you can't wow somebody if you're not doing the basic things they're expecting. Got to make sure you don't go the extra mile before you go the first mile. You got to go the first mile. It's what your customers expect. Then when you go the extra mile, now they've got the confidence and trust in you, and now they're going to become advocates. So make sure you don't get all caught up in the unexpected extras. But what do you actually need? What's the service you're providing? What's the most fundamental thing they need first? What's the first mile? Then go the extra mile. Sam Walton. Okay, his legacy in the top 10 richest Americans, four of them's last name is Walton. Long after the man's passed. And he goes, exceed your customers' expectations. If you do, they'll come back over and over. Give them what they want and a little more. Powerful stuff. Jimmy Johnson said the difference between ordinary and extraordinary is that little extra. That little extra. Is an eight-time champion. Just that little extra. Go the extra mile. It's never crowded. It isn't. Remember, do the first mile first. Do what's expected. Build a trust. Then go the extra mile. You'll be rocking and rolling. So we found a problem. Fix the problem. Do the unexpected extra. That's how you serve. Lastly, in the last few minutes I have with you today, is I'm going to challenge you to hone your skills. To become skilled. You can become as skilled as you want to be. You can become as skilled as you choose to be. You can become as skilled as you work at it. Skills are not a divine right. They have to be developed. You have to hone your skills. Honing is the term that would be used by an old blacksmith. You hone the blade. It's that scraping sound. Sparks fly when you're honing a blade. You're getting some of the rough edges off. You're getting it smooth. Let me tell you this. When you're truly developing, when you're growing, it's not easy. I'll give you an example right now. It's kind of a a silly example, but I used to play golf at a pretty high level. I got busy with business, life, and I was all into my kids. And when I was traveling, when I came home, I was not going to go spend five hours on a golf course. So golf kind of went by the wayside. And so now what's happened is my older kids have gotten into golf and they're like, Dad, let's come on out. And so I'm a member of a club here in town, La Costa, and they've had a men's group for years, actually men's and women's group that play competitively on the weekend. I've never participated in it. So I just decided, my brother said, hey, come on, let's go. So I started going back, hitting some balls, playing a bit. And I got to be honest with you, I've been shocked at how terrible I'm playing. Like shocked, like pissed off beyond belief shocked. Because I can hit shots that look like Rory McIlroy hit them. And then I hit other shots that look like Ray Charles is swinging. I look like a pro. I look like an absolute beginner. And I have expectations of myself of when I played golf 20 years ago. Totally unrealistic. I get that. But when I go out there, I still think I'm that good-looking devil from 20 years ago who's just going to stripe it around and shoot 74. Not even close. And my golf game, honestly, it's been a radical wake-up call, and it's made me think from a different spot. I finally reached the point where I decided, I'm just going to play more. I'm just going to play more. I'm just going to play more. So I've played more, and I'm getting worse. (laughs) I'm getting much worse. And I'm either going to start drinking or give it up. Or is there a third option? And the third option is what I'm choosing to do, which is 
I'm choosing to start over. I just signed up for some coaching. What? I just signed up for some training. A golf professional is putting me on video, giving me feedback, and actually showing me exactly what I'm doing as opposed to the image I have in myself as a 25-year-old strapping young Brian Buffini. And that guy's gone, by the way. So the guy that I am today, what am I doing? I'm working out with my trainer so I can play more golf, so I can be more flexible. And I'm going to do the work. Now, I'm going to tell you, this is already arduous. And it's already done. My very first lesson, I was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm looking at the video myself, and that is not the image I had of myself making a move on the ball. I have ingrained the bad habits and the bad swing. Now i got to start over. And it's going to take a while. And I'm going to get worse before I get better. In fact, that's already happening. Now, at least I had an idea where the ball was going. Now I have no clue. It can go left or it can go right. I have no clue. The sparks are flying. The honing has taken place. You have to want the progress and you have to be willing to do it in order to progress. Now, golf is an optional thing for me. I just choose that. It's what I want to do. I want to play golf. I grew up a golfer. My dad had us all play golf. I play golf with my brother Dermot and my brother Kevin. And my kids are playing golf now. I like it socially. I met a bunch of guys that I like. It's not everything to me, but it's something to me. I've made up my mind to go do the work necessary. If we're talking about your career and honing up your skills, let me say this. Is it possible that some of your presentation skills, communication skills need some help? Your negotiation skills, is it possible they need some help? Is it possible you could use some coaching? Is it possible you might need somebody, A, looking at what you're doing, and B, here's another way to go about it. Here's an approach that really works well. It's the same deal. The pro I met with, he took a look at my swing, and then he took my swing and put it side by side in a video of a couple of professional players. And he goes, now here's guys, similar body style to you and whatever else, and here's how they swing it. And so now he's showing me the way forward. And so I just think as a pro in the business world that I'm looking at today, the negotiation skills and presentation skills are terrible. Now I'll mention another podcast to you today, episode 161, on the subject of negotiation, where I interviewed Chris Voss. Now Chris Voss was the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. And here's what he says. Being right isn't the key to a successful negotiation. Having the right mindset is. Go work on your negotiation skills. When do people practice their negotiation? In a negotiation. And when they don't get the outcomes, they blame the other side when they don't get exactly what they wanted. Or maybe the negotiation gets settled, but nobody's happy at the end of it. You have to be a pro in negotiations. Everybody's got to walk away at peace with the negotiation, including the other side. How do you do that? The dynamics we've taught of how to be the rock, not the river, how to seek the common ground, how to do the walk away. All these different techniques that are very, very important. Have you worked on them in a while? Have you taken, for example, our essentials training program? Have you taken our advanced negotiation, objection handling? Have you done that? Have you, have you taken those courses? Have you taken the time? It's very powerful. Chris Voss says, being right isn't the key to a successful negotiation. Having the right mindset is. You have to work at it. Are you working at it? Are you currently taking a class on negotiation? I have a couple of them. I encourage you to check it out. Are you reading books on negotiation? I'm reading a book right now by Chester Carras on negotiation. Are you going to get better at negotiation by negotiating? That's like me saying, I'm going to get better at golf by going and playing more golf. Nope. There's some fundamentals missing. There's some things that are broken. I have to start over. Presentations. How you present yourself and how you present your information. You know, sitting at a kitchen table trying to help somebody make a decision for their future, where they're going to live and how they live, is not the time to practice your presentations. When I go and speak and people will come away, 6,000 people in the audience, oh my gosh, he was talking to me like it was just me in the audience. 
And so many speakers and even people who come and work at our company, they just think that it's just all flows from Brian. He's just got the gift of the gab. He kissed the Blarney Stone. Well, Dave Lally's sitting on the other side of the glass here today, and Dave's involved in every presentation I've given for the last 17 years. And if you were to interview Dave Lally, he'd say, uh, how's the preparation for these presentations? And I, I think the word he'd probably use is maniacal, how hard we work at it, how much we prepare for it, how much we do so that there's so much structure to it that it looks like I'm just free-flown. And some of the stuff will be free-form. But it's worked at and worked at and worked at, and then you get to be who you are, okay? So what I've done in presentation side of things, that's what I'm going to do in my golf game. I'm going to get so fundamentally sound that then I can just free flow and play the game. Well, that's the same thing for you. Teddy Roosevelt said, success, the real success does not depend upon the position you hold, but upon how you carry yourself in that position. How do you carry yourself in your presentations? Nancy Duarte, who's actually a presentation expert, says, a great presentation gives smart ideas an advantage. So negotiation is key. Presentation is everything right now. And you have to have presentations that'll work in many mediums, face-to-face, voice-to-voice, over Zoom, in many, many capacities. And then lastly, training. Training's a powerful thing. Navy SEALs have a great quote right here in San Diego. They say, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of your training. That's the fact. Because when the pressure is applied, you don't rise to the occasion. You fall to the level of what you can count on. One of my first speaking engagements, I got to be back in the green room with the late, great General Norman Schwarzkopf. And if you remember, the very first Gulf War in 1991, the American military was facing off against the fourth largest military in the world, the Republican Guard for the Iraqis. They had supported them for years, so America had given all of America's best technology, tanks and weaponry, to this huge army. So they were supposed to be these super soldiers with all this technology, and we were going up against them on their turf. That war was over in six days. And I'm backstage with Norman Schwarzkopf. I was a young speaker. He's this legendary icon. He's getting ready to go out, and we're just chatting and so on and so forth. And I just had to ask him, because I was just so fascinated by the military, living in a military town. I said, how did that happen? How did that happen? He had two things. One was a logistical thing, which is he said, we won that war with the quartermaster. Our supply chain was better than everybody else. But he said, at the end of the day, it was one thing. He said, we were better trained. He said, the Iraqis had our equipment. We knew how to use it. The Iraqis had our tank. We knew how to optimize them. He said, our people were better trained. The more you sweat in peacetime, the less you bleed in war. And that's the key. That's the key of a pro. The pro is practicing, working on their skills in peacetime, before the negotiation, before the presentation, before the confrontation with emotional intelligence, before the problem happens. The pro is practicing. The pro is not checked out on Netflix. The pro is not checked out on the news. The pro is not checked out into sports. The pro is not checked out. The pro is tuned in. And the pro is practicing. John Wooden, I've used this quote a bunch of times. When opportunity strikes, it's too late to prepare. The pro is caught up in preparation. Muhammad Ali said, I hate every minute of training. But I said, don't quit. Suffer now and live the rest of your life as a champion. Mia Hamm, the star of the women's U.S. national soccer team that just changed the entire sport in America, changed the entire sport in the world. And she says, I'm building a fire. And every day I train, I add more fuel to that fire. Powerful stuff. Julius Caesar, a couple thousand years ago, said, without training, they lack knowledge. Without knowledge, they lack confidence. And without confidence, they lack victory. Let me ask you, are you lacking in victory? 
Can I ask you this? Are you lacking in confidence? If you're lacking in confidence, you're needing some knowledge. And if you're lacking in knowledge, you need some training. For those of you in the real estate business who are listening to this today, here's what I'm going to say to you. We've laid out the most comprehensive training programs ever created for the industry. It's taken me 25 years to get to this point, to where we have what's called a real estate career path. If you're new to the business or just restarting the business or you're making less than 100 grand a year at this time, we have a program for you called 100 Days to Greatness. And it's designed for you to execute, to show by show. I show you exactly what to do and how to do it and the way to do it. And I take you on the appointments with me. If you're a producing agent, which means you're making a decent buck and making a few sales, but you're not yet a real business person, it's inconsistent. You don't feel like you own the business. The business kind of still owns you. We have a program called The Essentials. And if you're a pro and you really want to get to the point where you're really building up that business and making it consistent and building out your brand, a brand new program for advanced agents called the professional agents called the advanced program. So we have 100 Days to Greatness, Essentials, Advanced, and then ultimately on to industry leader and building out your legacy. Because here's the deal that you need to know. You face different devils at different levels. You're at that first level, you face these devils and, and 100 Days to Greatness will help you through that. And then you get to the next level and say, hey, this ain't, this, here's the challenges here. There's a training track and a coaching track we've developed at Buffini Company that we launched last year that's taken us 25 years to get to this place. A full prescription. If you're in real estate or lending or even own a small business, you should go to buffiniandcompany.com, click chat with an expert, and they'll listen to you. They'll ask you a bunch of questions. They won't sell you anything. They'll just ask you a ton of questions, find out where you're at, what your needs are, and then they can prescribe some solutions for you to help you get from where you are to where you want to be. I rarely talk about Buffini and Company or what it is we do, but I will tell you, I'm not doing you any favors because we're the premier business coaching company in North America, and we've been doing this for 25 years. And so the bottom line is, as we talk about this today, is that it is easier to succeed, but it still requires a bit of work. How to be a pro in an unskilled world? You got to connect with your clients. We talked about that. You got to serve your clients. And then ultimately, you got to hone your skills. I'm on a mission to get better playing golf. I want to hit the ball down the ferry. I want to get it in the green. I want to put it in the hole. And I want to do it in a way that I enjoy the game. Maybe you want to do that in your business. Maybe you want to be able to know what you can count on, that you can get it down the fairway, get it on the green, and close those deals and make those sales and take care of yourself and your family and your customers and do it in a way that you enjoy the journey. Do it in a way that you can see yourself doing it a long time and there'd be a bit of joy in the journey. So hopefully this has been helpful for you today. This podcast was born out of a series of conversations with a lot of young folks to try to help them understand that there's great opportunity ahead, that there's great businesses and fortunes to be built. There's great clients to meet and serve and turn into lifelong friends. It's a great business. It's a great life. And you can do both. You know, owning your own business, there's just nothing like it. But you got to be willing to pay the price. Take care of the clients, serve them and then become a highly skilled pro in an unskilled world, boy, you'll stand out amongst the competition. I hope this has been helpful for you today. I hope you'll take action. Get involved in one of our coaching or training programs. We can help you reach your goals. I hope you enjoy a little blessing from my coach, Therese Buffini, as she sends us on our way today with a little Irish blessing. Until next time, we'll see you. May the road rise up to meet you, and may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time. 